Ladies and gentlemen, we're only 24 hours away from Florida State taking on the Boston College Eagles. And you know what that means? Another know your foe. And today we have A.J. Black from Lockdown Boston College to give us all the details on Kovic, Jeff Halfley maybe being on the outs, and also Zay Flowers if he still is the weapon, the threat that we know he is. As always, thank you so much for being Lockdown Seminoles. You're first each and every single day. And with that being said, let's go on with the show. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today we have another Know Your Foe series. We are joined by Mr. A.J. Black from Locked on Boston College and also from the Eagle Insider of 247 Sports. A.J., what's going on, my guy? Not much. It's uh, it's great to be back on. I felt like we were just on talking Seminoles football last year, and now I'm back with you again, Drake, talking... Uh... A, a much different feel heading into this game than last year, and I th- I'm excited to talk about where your where your knolls are at. Yeah, I was about to say, I think last year you predicted the Boston College win that almost happened because the referees were they were a little helpful in that game. I mean, would you say that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were uh, they were they were uh, trying to take that game over a little bit. I, yeah, that I, was I, some I, home cooking, but I, I mean, Full Dracovic and Zay Flower still performed pretty well that game. Yep, and they they did that with as we find out later in the season, Dracovic with one hand because his uh. His hand that he came, he had hurt earlier in that year, you know, he rushed, you know, after the season, he, he came back, he talked about how he came back and he was at like 50%. He couldn't grip a football. And uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but yeah, man, that Florida state defense last year was, was fun to watch. Jermaine Johnson was, um, he was a monster and that was against a pretty good defensive line, offensive line for BC. That was for a pretty good offensive line. So why don't we like start there kind of basically overall, like Boston College was kind of picked as a team that a lot of like media members, you know, ourselves at locked on, you know, overall yep. like included thought that they had a chance to basically go over the six win hump so far. It's been anything but that. Could you kind of like pinpoint and let the audience know where exactly everything has basically kind of gone wrong for Boston? College? So yeah, it's the, off- it's the offensive line. It, it's that and nothing else. Um, because it's all dictating everything else that's going on with BC. So at, you know, last year, BC had, uh, you know, two guys that are now currently on NFL teams, but four pretty good offensive linemen, all five of them ended up leaving one Christian mahogany. Uh, so four of them left, excuse me, a fifth one blew his knee out in, uh, right after spring ball. So BC had to replace their entire offensive line and they had coming back. I want to say four starts, over all five guys. So a lot of new faces and there were, you know, going into the season, some folks were like, you know, myself included, like, okay, there's like three or four, four star recruits in there that, you know, guys that we've been waiting for, it's going to happen. Like maybe, maybe I'll take a little bit, you know, they just need to be serviceable. Well, they're a complete train wreck. And the worst part about this offensive line, it it just got worse as it got went along too, because the big four star that they had uh, hurt his knee in the first game. Uh, you know, it kind of led to the Rutgers loss. He hurt himself. Could, he could, didn't take himself out of the game and then got blown up for two sacks. Uh, then Virginia tech was a complete mess. And then Maine was a mess. I mean, they can't get any push up front at all. 
on that offensive line. Their run, the run game is is bad, and it's because of that. And then the pass game, Jakovic's getting hit. I mean, he got sacked, I want to say, nine times in the first two games before they played Maine. Uh, you know, it, it's that offensive line. It, it just kind of dictates everything. And then if the offense can't stay on the field, the defense gets tired, and then, and then it's just a mess. So um, it's a big miss for Jeff Halfley right now. Um, I, you know, I know you want to talk about him in a little bit, but like when you have the opportunity to hit the transfer portal, when you know you have, at the, at, even at the end of the last year, four new guys that you're going to have to put in on that offensive line and you just ignore the, the transfer portal because you just want to keep with your guys. And then you miss like this. That's on him. It's, it's a big time miss for him and a really bad miscalculation, especially when you have one last year of Dracovic and Zay Flowers. So then I guess that kind of goes to probably Jeff Halfley now at this point, because Jeff Halfley was kind of a, a darling for a lot of people yep. in coaching circles. Like I think there are a lot of people toying with the idea that maybe that Boston College would be a stepping stone for him to maybe go back to the Big Ten and take over a job over there. And he was on some coaching hot boards. And at this point, I'm just hearing from you, like it seems that everyone in Boston College is like just turning on him simply because he chose not to, I guess, improve the team overall. So where does Jeff Halfley stand right now with the fan base over in Chestnut Hill? It's a, it's a mixed bag. Um, I think he, the gleam off of him is it, it, the gleam is gone. Like that, the wonderkin that you're expecting the guy, like the new next big thing. I think fans are starting to realize that, you know, he's got a long way to go to get to that, that spot. Um, I, I, another piece, I think that he doesn't do well and he admits it over and over again, but I just have not seen it fixed is he, 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 he brags and not brags, but he jokes about, that he doesn't know he doesn't really deal with the offense and that he should more. And then you just hear more and more of him not doing it still. Um, it just seems like he's a very defensive minded coach. And, you know, I, I still think there's still a lot there and I, I, I'm not sure if he's the right answer yet, but um, I don't think he's going to be a hot um, contender for big jobs after the season, like he was the after 2020. But, you know, I think fans are kind of, they're kind of on the fence with him right now. So then, like, what, I guess, were your expectations heading into this season? Because, I mean, Boston College, like, over the past, what, since Steve Adagio era, they haven't really been kind of lighting the football world on fire. So what right. were your expectations going into the season? Like, even, like, I, we can tell right now it's been a letdown so far. So what yeah, were absolutely. your expectations heading into this year? And basically, do you still feel like Halfley might be able to be the guy to kind of get you to those expectations for next season? So it's a good question. Um, I, I said I, I was hoping for, like, eight wins. Um, and I said that like all the offensive line had to do is be serviceable. You had a defense that was third in the country in pass defense last year. And you had linebackers that were young that I thought were going to get better. And they have, I, the defense is still good. Um, but I thought that, you know, the progressions that they would all take would be mitigated. Uh, you know, the, 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 the offensive line wouldn't be that big of a, of a mess that they could still handle it. Like they could still figure some things out. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen this year. Obviously it's, I mean, I mean, not going to say obviously, but like the way that offensive line plays and we'll get into the, the game on Saturday, but like you look at who's coming up for BC, you have Clemson, you have Syracuse. I mean, even Syracuse has a good defensive line right now. And the way that offensive line is playing, it's scary. And you worry about the health of Jacoba because he's just getting clobbered over and over again. Um, and I, I, I think we'll, we'll halfly get to that next level. I, I mean, he's going to, he's going to get another chance, but if Jakovic's done after this year and he still has another year of eligibility. So if he has a bad year this year and there's a listen to lockdown, BC I can talk about the future of BC, but 
I think there's more coming back for him next year if he wanted to, especially in the offensive line. Um, I think there's a better chance. The the schedule, the out of conference schedule is god awful for BC next year. They I think they don't I don't think they have a power five conference team on their schedule. So well to be fair, you all did struggle against Maine. I mean we did. Right. But again, Christian Mahogany, their all ACC guard should be back. I think Trapilla will be back, who's their left tackle, who we should see this weekend. I, I Drew, Drew Kendall's, you know, getting stepping up. So I think the offensive line is going in the right direction. It's it's still a mile behind, but <laughs> I think it'll eventually get there. And if Mahogany comes back, that's like you you basically like have a solid half of your offensive line set. Go out there, get a get a transfer portal guy. I think they could get to eight wins next year because they're not losing other than Zay Flowers and possibly Dracovic. They're not losing a ton on this roster. No, and I think also you're probably I think Jaden would be this might be his last season too as well. I know he's restarting. What's yep. how, how has he done so far before we go over to the break? He's pretty good. Again, a guy that like I keep looking at the pro football focus numbers for him and I'm like, what are they what am I missing on him? Uh because he seems like he's making plays, but uh, you know, he's he's always shooting around like a 60 on pro football focus, and that always surprised me. Um, he's a leader, he's a captain on the team uh for the season. Um and and the guy is a he's a bright kid. He's a really fun story to follow. Oh, dude, he, he he's the man. I, I we love that kid at Florida State. That kid's gonna be a politician one day. That kid's gonna be like a, a CEO of a, like a major five hundred company. He's got like four degrees. He's got a a mass real estate license. He got mm-hmm. something else this summer. I forget what it was. He was telling us at his press conference. But like the guy's got himself set up for after football. He could do whatever he wants, and it's it's a great story. But on the field, I still think I still get the sense from him watching him play that. You know, a good senior bowl once he gets out of BC, a good senior bowl and a good combine, and I could see him in the pros. Yeah, I think one of the things that we kind of like saw him like in coverage, he's not really the best player. That's kind of why we want like he like we felt that his best position was linebacker. That's why he played his last yep. season here at Florida State. But to me, yep. that definitely is a kid that uh, he might be like a practice squad player, maybe a special teamer when he gets to the pros. But he definitely that kid does not have to worry about anything probably after football is done. If we're being honest, right. here. oh, absolutely not. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely not. But folks. Before we dive into the extra X's and O's on offensive defense, we better remind you here, locked on stem with our friends over at uh, over at Underdog Fantasy. AJ, have you done Underdog Fantasy before? I did. I I have to say, I've been. I love it. It's it's got it's really easy to pick up and use. I've just I've just been hitting some poor luck on it recently. <laughs> no, I feel that. But I listen. I know you're a big fan of Scott Southfield and Louisville Cardinals, folks. That's a joke. He's not <laughs> a fan of them whatsoever. What do you think about? Uh, Malik Cunningham over 95 and a half rushing yards against USF. Uh, I like that. I, I, I think, I think um, the, the Cardinals are due for a big offensive game. They haven't had one in a while. You know, they, they, I mean, against Florida state, they, they, you saw pieces of it, but Cunningham, we've been waiting for him to have that big moment. You know, the USF is a perfect game for that, for him to break out. No, I completely agree with that. And folks, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up all your entire college football season. Head on over today and sign up with promo code Locked On. That's one word: L O C K E D O N. And Underdog will double, double, folks. Your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. So you deposit one hundred, you get one for free. That's how math works. Multiplication table. So go over to UnderdogFantasy.com today, or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Once again, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Get in on the college football pick'em today, and folks. We are back. We are rock and roll. We here with AJ Black of Locked On Boston College, also at Eagle Insider. Is that saying correctly, AJ? Yep. Yep. Eagle Insider over at Two Four Seven Sports, where we basically get all of our rankings as well. 
Now, AJ, offensively, you've already discussed basically that this offense hasn't been able to, I guess the best way to say is to work mm-hmm. with the offensive line currently as instituted. Because I think what you have two walk-ons right now along your offensive line. Uh, one and then two positional changes. So you have Nick Thomas, who, um, I hate because the kids, and I don't want to rip on him, but that kid, I mean, he's a walk on, he really shouldn't be on the field. And it's, it's a disservice to him that he's being thrown out there because he gets destroyed when he gets out there and he, he needs time. <laughs> Let's put it at that. Okay. Well, he needs some time, needs some seasoning. I, I can totally understand. I don't think that. if Trapillo comes back, which I, it looks like he was practicing this week, who's there, the guy that I, I we've been waiting for. Thomas won't see the field. Thomas won't see the field. No, yep. I could, no, I completely understand that. So, offensively, the offensive line, we know what it is. It's, it allows, well, it doesn't allow for Fuljerkovic to basically cook. And basically, yeah. outside of Fuljerkovic, not a lot of people know about, I guess, the running back and Pat Garwell. And Gar- yeah. Garwell heading into the year kind of had higher aspirations because of the offensive line. He did show some flashes last year. So, what do we at FSU expect from this rushing attack at BC? Because Quite frankly, you guys are not going to have enough time to pass the ball uh, going up against Derek McClendon. Jared Verse, I don't think we'll be playing in this game, but I don't yep. think we really need to with the base of the staff of the offensive line currently. Right. Yeah. No. Um, if 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 the goal is for BC to run the game, run this game, they're going to lose by a lot <laughs> because they have not figured out other than the last like two drives against Maine and maybe like one against Rutgers. They have not had a consistent run game all year. They, um, you know, they go a lot of shotgun and pistol on their offense. And Garwo, it, it's different than what they had last year under now Pitt offensive coordinator, Frank Signetti, who had Strakovic lining up under center a lot. And just the way that they run the ball now, they're starting two, three yards back. But when your offensive line can't push, the it just collapses immediately and Garwo can't get anywhere. So, you know it's interesting to see like some of these young, they, you know, Garwa was a Steve Adazio guy, the former head coach of BC. He's a bigger downhill runner. The, the, the Jeff Halfley running backs that are coming up. So you'll see two cam Barfield and Alex broom uh, are like five, nine. They're tiny. Uh, you watching them stand next to Phil Jakovic, who's six, five, six, six. They look like they're kids, but, I th- honestly, both of them are pretty are are better pass blockers than Garo, which is weird. Um, but they also fit better into the system. Like they they're able to get the ball and go faster than Garo. Garo needs like a head of steam to get going, and against with that offensive line struggling, he just can't get it. So it, it I'm waiting to see Halfley kind of let the leash off of the kids, use them more. But Garo's a captain, and he's kind of loyal to a fault to some of his seniors. Uh, our upperclassmen and I, you know, I like Garwo. I was wrong about him last year. His dad let me hear about it. <laughs> um, but I just, I haven't seen it this year. And if the offensive line continues to struggle, I think this weekend's going to be the biggest struggle, uh, biggest, t- the toughest game that they played all year. Um, I don't, I don't expect a big game out of Garwo. No, I understand that. And now let's move over to the wide receivers, the people that are actually ca- catching the ball or trying to catch the ball from Fulger mm-hmm. Because Fulger actually, yeah, and we'll end up on Fulger Kovic kind of last at the end of the segment. So yep. Zay Flowers, we all know who he is. Kid's a stud, and probably he became the number one wide receiver after Jordan Addison left the pit. So, so far, I mean, he hasn't really struggled, but you can't you know, kind of put up the offensive numbers you can with kind of the way your offense is running right now. So with right. Zay Flowers... What do should we expect from him on Saturday? And also, are there any other weapons outside of him that we should probably be on the lookout for? Yeah, absolutely. So it was interesting. If you go to Eagle Insider, my co-writer, Mitch Wolf, who also 
uh, comes on as a guest twice a week for Locked On BC. He he's big in the film, and it he has a really good insight into one of the big issues BC's had and uh, has been their opening sets of drives. Their um, the scripted drives that John McNulty, the new offensive coordinator, does, and he noted that Zay Flowers is not targeted often in their opening drives. But throughout the rest of the game, when especially when the offense starts to figure things out, it's because of Zay. Like you get him the ball, you figure out how to get it to him, and it works. So it'll be interesting to see on Saturday if they continue to just get, you know, the, he talks about the theme of the, the offense in those early drives is to get Jakovic going. And that doesn't mean hitting Zay Flowers, it just means just getting him moving. And it, it, it doesn't seem to work. It hasn't worked well. Getting Zay Flowers is the big deal. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that because once, you know, when he gets the ball, he's dynamic. He's one of the most elusive players BC's ever had. Um, and he does big things every time he touches the ball. I mean, he, you know, against Maine, he had a 50 yard catch, dragged the cornerback for 10 yards um, for a touchdown. And he's also, you know, he had a big game against Rutgers with two touchdowns. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see a, a lot of emphasis on him, but the other name you're going to want to watch for is George Takis, who is a transfer tight end from Notre Dame, um, who is a big, he's like six, I seven, swear, you always have some tight end that we have to watch out for every yeah, absolutely. year. A Hunter long, I think was the one, two years ago. I forgot to think his name before that too, as well. It's always some tight end with you people. I swear to God. Yeah. It was Trey Barry last year. But he was hurt. Yep. From Jackson state, Jackson state. Jackson State, Jacksonville State. There's there's, Jacksonville there's State. two. There's two. Yeah. There's so I get, the, I get a mess up. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then so Takis was a former uh, four or five star recruit, uh, blue chipper, but he was stuck behind Michael Meyer at Notre Dame, which any tight end would be. Um. Yeah. And he's figured himself out. Like he was just a blocking tight end there, and now he's a t- catch pass catching tight end. He's a he's a he get you know he's averaging like 13 14 targets a game from Dracovic. so he'll be a name to watch for because especially when if things are starting to break down he goes to tar- to Takis a lot especially in the red zone as well okay i can definitely see that now let's go with big phil mm-hmm. uh most of us especially you had high hopes for big phil i had big uh phil Dracovic as probably my number 5 quarterback in the entire conference heading into the year yep and now you're telling me there's a new offensive coordinator at boston college yep. and what and so far for the year, Phil Dracovic, when he's not targeting Zay Flowers, has a completion percentage of four below forty-five percent. Yep. What is the matter right now with Phil Dracovic? Is it is it is it just the offensive line? Is it the new scheming, or is it just simply that he's just putting too much on himself? Like, what exactly is wrong with this kid? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and I think a lot of it, it again it all goes back to the offensive line. He's 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 hearing footsteps a lot. Um, and I think he's forcing himself to do a lot too. I mean, if you watch the opening drive against Virginia tech, he threw a pass. He had absolutely no business throwing and it got picked off. And that basically set the tone for that game because he was trying to force it in. And yeah. Uh, so I think it's a combo of feeling pressure sometimes because he knows he's going to get hit or he just, he, he knows he can't run. They can't run the ball. So he's got to play hero ball and it's just forcing him to not play within himself. Um, but some of it's on his decision. I mean, as I said, decision making too is just really questionable with him. Like he's he's it's not making it's it is weird. You expect more out of him, and he's not. And you know, when when you look at the positives and negatives, the guy can throw a, a beautiful deep ball, but his intermediate and short stuff, he he cannot consistently do it, and it's it's concerning because when you have a, a porous pass uh, offense offensive line. What do you want to do? You want to get the ball out as fast as you can, right? So you don't have to put the pressure on the offensive line. 
he can't do that. Even when he's not getting hit, he's just, he's inaccurate. He can't throw screens. He's, he can't throw short stuff. He's not showing. I, I had very high expectations of him as a potential uh, NFL quarterback, and I don't see it. And um, I don't know if, if it's, you know, the end for him. Like, you know, he has another year after this, if he wants to kind of figure things out, you might have but, to honestly. I, I, yeah. I, and honestly, I wouldn't hate it. I, I think he, he has potential. And if the offensive line gets better, he might have a bigger year for him, but it's been a, it's been a disappointing year for Jakovic. Yeah. I was about to say, cause he went from basically being a first round potential prospect because, you know, he has the size, he has the arm. Mm-hmm. He had a very good year last year. And then all of a sudden it just feels like when, when he doesn't have all of his, you know, weapons around him, like I, the offensive line actually being kind of the state in the state that it is, I understand struggling, but he's yep. struggling to the point now and making his decision making that certain things where it's like that's not the offensive line's fault. That's something just internally yep. that he doesn't just trust himself anymore. Do you think potentially because I know he, he does have an injury history? Do you, has there been any signs potentially that he actually might be playing kind of hurt or just somebody that just something's not clicking with him right now? So there's two pieces there. I think I think you're right. Like. I think he could be banged up. He's a, a guy. I mean, in 2020, he played against Syracuse and you watch the game. And you're like, what the hell is going on with him? And then halfway two weeks later goes, yeah, he's playing with a separated shoulder. And it's like, oh, okay. So, you know, he, he has the, the potential to grit things out. That being said as well, you know, I think a piece of his game, he's taken away because of that risk of injury. And that's his ability to run the ball. Jakovic you know, one of the things when you have a good defensive line pushing pressure on a quarterback is that when things are collapsing, you can have the quarterback go mobile and try to get out of it. I don't see much of that with Jakovic. And you can also minimize that, uh, you know, mitigate that with RPOs and things like that, but he's not doing any of that. Um, it's interesting because he said at the beginning, you know, both he and Halfley had talked about, you know, I got to play less reckless. He's got to take less hits. So almost part of me thinks the design is to do certain things, but also to keep him healthy, to keep him attractive to NFL teams. That's what it seems like to me because he doesn't run the ball anymore. And he did that for two years. And he also was sneakily like he averaged over six, like almost six and a half yards of carry last year. Like he Mm -hmm. actually can move. Like he, Mm -hmm. I make a joke that Garrett Schreier is the slowest fast guy alive. And I kind of make up the filter couple is the fastest slow guy alive. Where you see the rumbling, bumbling kind of running from him. It's, it is a part of his game. And it's just like, when you take that away, it does make him a more ineffective QB because quite honestly, right now, decision-making right now is highly questionable. Right. And so last year, and it might just be the scheme, but Signetti would roll him out all the time and then he'd be outside the pocket and then he could, you know, 6'5", 240, he would just shake off the cornerbacks if they tried to hit him. And then he'd be able to get those six or seven yards because he was just big and he can move a little bit. But now that they have him stuck in the pocket, He's just not, he's not finding those moments to do it, nor he does he even look interested in doing it. He just gets hit. And no one likes getting hit at all. But folks, let's go over the defensive side of the ball after this quick break. All right, AJ, we are at the finish line. Let's talk about defense. Jeff Hackley kind of made his staple as being a defensive coordinator over in the Big Ten. He will try to bring the mentality basically over to Boston College. How have you seen the defensive side of the ball for Boston College develop over the past three seasons? Yeah, so you're seeing more and more of what Halfley wants on all three levels of the defense, which is he wants quicker guys. So, uh, you know, on the defensive line, you'll see Marcus Valdez. He's a, still a Dazio guy, and Sheeta Salah is hurt, but if he comes back and 
Halfley's never clear about who's coming back or not. If he does come back, he's more of a typical defensive end too on that edge. Uh, but the guys that he brings in, you'll see more of, and I think are the more dynamic players on that defensive line, which is Donovan Azaraku and Nito Akpala, who are two de- edge rushers um, that are both redshirt. Fra- uh, one, right, one's a redshirt freshman, one's a sophomore. But they're both coming into their own in terms of being a, a effective pass rushers. And the reason why Halfley likes them is their speed. They're smaller guys. They're I think they're both like 6'2", 230-ish. Mm-hmm. Compared to Salah, who's like 6'6", 250. Um, so they're, he's going for the smaller speed guys on that level. And he's doing the same thing at the linebacker level. You see him much more of the the hybrids, kind of like what you mentioned with Jaden Woodby. Um, you, but you're seeing, you'll see Woodby in the box. You'll see guys like Cam Arnold's a converted safety. Uh, Bryce Steele, converted safety. Um, a lot of those guys at linebacker, because they want to be able to to get to the edges quicker against teams like Florida state, because in the in previous BC iterations, when you have the big thumpers that were typical BC defenders, quicker teams like the, the Seminoles would torch them to the edge because they just didn't have the speed to slow them down. And I think Halfley addressed that. And I think he did a nice job with that on the defense. Now the secondary, that's his bread and butter. That's what you go to practice. That's where you see Halfley hanging out. Uh, a lot. And cause that's his, that those are his guys. He's a secondary coach from the NFL, you know, with the 49ers and the Bucks. you know, he was all over the place uh, as a, as a defensive backs coach. Um, I, I see a, a lot of talent there. Josh DeBerry um, hasn't really had a huge, um, he hasn't had a huge challenge yet because none of the teams BC has played has really throwing the ball a lot. You know, I think Virginia tech had a few like fluky passes that kind of got in and and really nice. uh, One really nice pass from Grant Wells. But other than that, it was kind of mostly on the ground. Um, I'm really interested to see this weekend, Johnny Wilson. I'm (laughs) six, seven. I'm, you know, BC has no one near that size. So I'm really interested to see how BC kind of lines up there um, and tries to, to mitigate that. I'm going to guess it's Elijah Jones, but I mean, he's what six, two, but it'll be interesting to see because they're they're a good secondary. They've had their moments of being sloppy too, though. So it's not been a perfect uh, system, but it's but definitely been one I think that's going in the right direction. Okay, and you mentioned Donovan as a rocker. Did you know that actually his uh, PFF grade actually is 87 overall on defense in 141 total snaps? Yeah, and going into last week, he was the highest grade in college football against the run. Which yeah, actually, he actually, had, he actually had his worst game against Maine, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, there was some sloppiness on defense for BC against me. And I think they got lazy, but yeah. Okay. So then for Jordan Travis, we don't know if we start in the game or not. Um, he, from the, from, when I watched the Louisville, the Louisville game on Friday, I thought low key, he was going to be out for like four to five weeks. Now you right. see him at practice. He's practicing yep. and everything else. He, there is a noticeable limp, but he actually may be a game time decision. What, what should be FSU's game plan to kind of wreak havoc on this Boston college defense? It's going to be mobile, uh, you know, and I, and I think if, if Travis has to stay in the pocket more, that would, that would be more on the line of what would benefit BC. But if he can move, if he can pick up, you know, with his feet, those third downs and, and, and keep those chains moving, I think that's going to be a big, uh, big factor. And I still, as much as BC speed has improved. And I think it has guys like, I think it's Trayshawn Ward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the running back, like, I still worry that like BC does not have the speed to slow that guy down, um, and they they have a tendency to allow explosives. 
Um, and if they do that, you know, that's all it's going to take. And if the offense can't keep up, that's what's going to, that's what's going to really stack up a quick loss for BC. I mean, that's going to be an interesting part of the game because mainly our game plan is to run the ball as much as we can because we have not only Trayshawn Moore, we also have Trey Benson and also Lawrence mm-hmm. Tofili. And then also, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if if this game gets ugly earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Rodney Hill, the true freshman, actually come in too because he actually did perform pretty well against Duquesne the first week. Now it's Duquesne, but from what you're telling me too, that if this game gets ugly earlier, this the, basically Boston College, they might be just going to kind of shut down the, with themselves. Is that not? What's that? It's a Boston College, like you know, if it, it gets ugly really early and then towards the end of the game, that like, you see, see Boston College kind of like you know, not giving up, but kind of basically saying like you just need to get out of here at this point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised because I, I get the sense, and again, this is like something I, I've been thinking. Like the offensive line's bad, but Torpillo, I keep saying he comes back, he's their best offensive lineman. You get him back, and again, if he doesn't come back this week, that's one other thing. But Christian Mahogany, they keep saying he's out for the year, but he this guy loves social media. And I don't know if that's what he's doing on rehab, but he's been tweeting literally mm-hmm. memes nonstop about him coming back. So if BC is, if he's coming back in the next couple of weeks, which is what he keeps alluding to the offensive line might get itself back together in with enough time to fix the season. So mm-hmm. in a game like this, if Jakovic's getting killed, they're going to throw Emmett Moorhead out there to, 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 to mitigate that for a while and, and to like, just get the hell out of there. But, I don't know. I it, it, I don't know what this the season has just gone off the rails so fast <laughs> that it's it's interesting to see. I'm just I'm just curious what, where the team will progress and where they're just permanently broken. Okay. So then before we do the prediction at the end, I do want to ask you quickly, could you give me one player on offense and one player in defense, obviously not named Zay Flowers and not named Phil Dracovic, that FSU fans should kind of keep an eye out and or they might hear their name several times on Saturday? Sure. So on offense, you're going to want to watch for Jaden Williams. Uh, he's he's a uh, wide receiver, too. Um, he's a, a sophomore from Texas. He's had a good couple years, gets a little bit dropsy. But when all the focus, when they, when there's a decent pocket and Phil can make his reads, when the focus goes slides over to, to say, Flowers and even to, to Takis at tight end, Williams has found himself with some pretty nice uh, – coverage matchups. So he might be a name you're going to see. And then on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about Azaraka. We talked about uh, uh, Nito Ekpala. Um, I am, I am a big fan of Chibuzi and Wuka. He goes by boozy. Um, he was listed as injured last game. And I happily hasn't mentioned that, but uh, he's a big bowling ball of a defensive tackle. He's like six, one, but like three twenty. Um, he's a transfer from Buffalo. He blew his ACL out last year and didn't play at all. Um, well, he's just a, a fun player. I think that's going to really, de- uh, just, you know, a good leader on that defensive line. You'll probably hear his name a bunch too. So then AJ yep. prediction time last year, you had Boston college pulling, not pulling an upset, but basically winning by, I think what you had last year, I think was like by a seven point, 10 point margin. Yeah, I did. <laughs> how do you feel? That, how do you feel now? Um, so I already made my prediction on my show yesterday because I had uh, my co-host is a, a Steelers fan. And he's watching the show, uh, the game right now. So we pushed it early. So I'll stick with what I said. I think that I got Florida State by like 21 in this. I think they're going to win like 38-17. Damn. So we yep. cover. You're telling me. So you're telling me that we cover this game. Even, yep. even is, is that with or without Jordan Travis starting? Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you're, I, that, I, you're, the, you're that down on this team. Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, 
I, I see what Florida State has on their defensive line, and even without uh, verse, I this offensive line. I mean, there's at least one or two guys that literally, when you watch them go out there, and it's on the coaching staff for not, you know, sending out tight ends or whatever to help chip on it, but they're just getting shoved on their butt like immediately, and then like free reign to get right at right at Jacobic. It is. I BC has a history of having really good offensive lines. They've sent a ton to the NFL. I, I followed this team for 20 something years. This is easily, and it's not even close. The worst offensive line I've ever seen at Boston college top to bottom. They are just a complete mess. And I, I against good, good defenses. I'm telling you until they can show me that they've um, progressed and they showed me some pieces against Maine, but it's Maine. I, I have to be, I have to be skeptical. I have to play. I like, I can't just say like what Jeff Halfley says, which is they are making progress. And I'm not that kind of journalist that, that just spits back what the coaches say. Cause they're going to say a bunch of talking points. It's a bunch of BS anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like were, you were, start... you were just so dumb with this year, AJ. It's not even funny. <laughs> <sighs> my, 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 I mean, if you guys want to have some fun, if Florida state fans want to just get a cocktail and go have some fun after this game, or even before the game, go to Eagle Insider and check out our message board. Our fans are just molten right now. So <laughs> I'm just kind of I'm I am um speaking what they're feeling. <laughs> I completely understand that because we're I mean, we're over here, we're kind of trying we try to give the fan perspective here at Locked On Semble, so I kind of fully understand that. But AJ, it's always good having you on here, man. Please let the folks know where to follow you, follow your work, and also where to check you out basically on all all the media. Yeah, so I am um I'm the host of Locked On BC. Do, uh, just like Drake, I do this five days a week talking BC sports. Um, we'll be going. We'll be getting some basketball news in there because I think I'm really excited to talk about this basketball team, which I think is going to be fun this year. It's going to be a good team. Uh, yeah, Earl Grant's a good coach. I think he's got some something going on. Um, but we talk football. Check that all out. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC, and I'm the editor and publisher of Two Four Seven Sports Eagle Insider. Uh, we have some great analysis and, and good stuff there that you're not going to find anywhere else on Boston College. So make sure you come over and just check it out. And there's lots of free, it, you know, with 247, there's VIP stuff. But even for Florida State fans, we put a ton of stuff up that's free, too. So you can check that out. So, folks, follow AJ, like all of his stuff, follow us, like, share, subscribe, either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it's your podcast from. And also, don't forget, subscribe on the YouTube, like this video, and ding the bell so you know when new content drops. For AJ, this was Drake, and we'll see y'all next time on Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody, and go Noles. All right, people, they're COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs>